Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Twitter melts down big spots for the Pac-12 this weekend, and a Big Ten team makes history all right here on the Three Technique College Football Podcast at the intersection of the X's Nose and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason with Trey Reeves, and back from the technological graveyard, Mr. Garrett Turney is back with us on this episode. Uh, Garrett, we missed you during the second half of that last episode. I know you were reacting to what we were saying just weren't able to get the technology to to cooperate with you yeah no sometime around about you know midway through the big 10 just everything went out which funny enough is actually what happens about midway through the big 10 so you know got caught in the shadow realm and uh you know i did end up hearing the last couple seconds for the outro which i thought was kind of funny i was like oh great now it's working you know just in time for the end so happy to be back hopefully this works out better this week well, we're glad to have you back with us uh, tonight. Everyone has tested out their equipment. They're, everything is working and functioning. I'm from uh, an undisclosed location tonight, so hoping that the, uh, the equipment doesn't fail me. Otherwise, this might be a really short podcast, and there might be a really awkward editing segment uh, right about now. But we'll hope that everything stays intact. Guys, we've got a big week three, not necessarily because of the slate of games as far as headliners Trey I think you mentioned it's not the most impressive just eye test week but at the same time a lot of programs need to step up and either legitimize themselves as contenders or for some of them they've got a lot of explaining to do yeah you look at the slate it's not as sexy as weeks one and week two but lots of teams that need to show who they are Lots of opportunities for teams to show if they're real, if they're pretend contenders. I look across, you know, BYU and Oregon. Both of those teams, we need to know who they actually are. AM and Miami, Texas Tech and NC State, and even on down the list. How what we're gonna learn about the teams this week is are you for real? Are do we actually need to pay attention to you? Are you actually relevant to the discussion for the rest of the year, or are you just a fun storyline for the first couple weeks? Uh, we're going to find a lot of teams this week where, uh, you know, we thought we knew something about them, but uh, now it's time to finally figure out who this team is. Um, and, and ultimately, we're going to get to the point where, you know, it, it's not the sexy matchups, but it's the one where we finally learn where the season is going and how it's going to shape up. Well, we've waited for kind of not, I mean, not the middle of the season because it is only week three, but this offseason felt like the longest possible interlude between you know the national championship and, and teams getting to run it back and we've already had so many storylines develop for this season so I think in some ways we're all wishing we could you know skip to the middle of the season or even to the end of the season to have the answers to some of these stories but that's the fun and all right is is going along for the ride sitting and watching the journey that all these teams take and look some teams you know, their season's going to be over by week six or seven. And some teams, their story is really just starting to unfold by that point. So 
it's the beauty of college football and this just race to the postseason that we have in the current segment. If you've missed weeks one or two and are just now finding the pod, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the Three Tech family. We're glad to have you. Uh, if you have not already subscribed to us, please hit that subscribe button on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the major outlets. That really helps us continue to grow the show and uh, leave a rating as well. It just helps us with the algorithm, continues to help us rise up the charts, and it just keeps uh, keeps spreading the podcast around to more football fans, more football sickos like us. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find us at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter, where we're cooking up a ton of content on a weekly basis. But Trey, housekeeping out of the way, hit that news sound for me. Notre Dame is one of those teams that has had a disastrous start to their season in 2022. They lost to Ohio State in week one. They then dropped to Marshall last week. The news got even worse for the Fighting Irish. They've lost Tyler Buckner, their quarterback for the season. He's got a sprained AC joint. Initially, the thought was that he was only going to be out a couple of weeks, maybe back for the middle of the season, but uh, it will require surgery, and he is done for the year. Drew Pine will step in instead. Trey, you know, you never root for an injury, obviously, um, and, and certainly hope that Tyler is is better. Very, very easy to say, though, he wasn't getting the job done through those first two weeks, through two interceptions against Marshall. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans that wish that Drew Pine was a starter from the outset. Yeah, and it kind of gives you a chance to reset after two weeks and two tough losses to start the year. You never want it to be under these circumstances where it's because someone got injured, but maybe this is something the team can rally around. Drew Pine coming in to the starting role. Yeah, like you said, I think a lot of Notre Dame fans preferred Drew Pine, but Tyler Buckner definitely offered more of a dual threat capability. But, you know, we saw the legs. We didn't really get to see the arm too much with Tyler Buckner. Maybe Drew Pine provides a little bit more stability. Yeah, and I was really impressed with the way that Buckner came out against Ohio State, but then obviously the stinker against Marshall and the injury really just gutted for Notre Dame right now. You know, they had such high expectations, Marcus Freeman taking over, you know, disappointing loss in the big bowl game, but you kind of didn't want to chalk that up to him. But man, things are not going well to start off his tenure there, and it's certainly not going to get easier breaking in who you thought at least was your second best quarterback. Yeah, and you know, it's tough to pin, like you said, that 0-3 start on Freeman the bowl game really shouldn't count, in my opinion. That wasn't his team. Um, it, it just, you know, so many guys check out in the postseason. It was it was truly a tale of two halves. They came away and blew out the Pokes in the first half. They kind of laid an egg coming out of halftime. So, you know, being the only Notre Dame coach ever to start his tenure at 0-3, listen, the Marshall loss was not good, but having two of those games be a top 10 Oklahoma State and a top three Ohio State team, that's that's a tough card to be dealt. So, you know, Notre Dame, it doesn't get any easier. They've got Cal this week. We'll talk about that game in detail coming up. But my goodness, um, not not a team with a really solid defense that you want to see trying to right the ship and, and get your first uh, win of the season. I mentioned that a Big Ten team was making history this week. And, guys, I wasn't aware of this until this morning when I was adding some show notes to our prep. Uh, 
The first Big Ten team to ever visit Jordan-Hare Stadium will be Penn State this weekend when they go play Auburn on the Plains. Evidently, Auburn has never played a Big Ten team at home. They went on the road last year to play Penn State in Happy Valley, but just a just a little nugget that you, you don't really hear all that often. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I feel like that's probably true with a bunch of SEC schools, though. Now that I think about it, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, now that you say that, it seems like a lot of SEC and Big Ten just doesn't get a lot of crossover in the non-conference. Maybe it's because the ACC and the Big 12 are right there. But, yeah, doesn't seem like we get a lot of SEC Big Ten matchups, at least on campus in the non-conference slate. Well, and traditionally for a long time, it just had to do with the fact that there wasn't as much non-conference. But once non-conference got a little bit more you know, of a big deal and you had these big week one, week two things, they don't match up very much. It, the SEC and the Big Ten don't tend to match up very much. And when they do, it's oftentimes at neutral side stadiums. So that is really interesting that Jordan-Hare hasn't hosted the Big Ten so far. That'll be interesting to see how they go in there and handle it. Yeah, y'all are both right with kind of the historical context, the ACC and the SEC always tend to play, you know, week one, week two, the big 10, the big 12 have some sort of natural rivalries with just the, the I 35 corridor and, and how everything works out there. But you're right. SEC big 10. That's more of a, it's more of a basketball rivalry. I feel like where you, you see those teams play each other early, not so much in the football slate and the Florida bowl games. We get we get a lot of those in the in January, New Year's yeah. Day, New Year's Eve bowl games, but yeah, fun treat to get it in the regular season. I heard Penn State fans were saying that they're going to roll Tumor's corner if they win. So, who knows how that plays out? I don't think Auburn fans will be very happy about that if that happens, but <laughs> That is a we'll bold see. strategy. <laughs> yeah, it could could be an interesting weekend. Again, that's a game that we're going to talk about. It feels very much like this is a season-defining game for both programs, both because Penn State could underachieve if they don't win this game and also because Auburn's season might literally be over if they don't win this game. So uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that in more detail. Um, I had a note in here to, to shout out some Twitter trolls. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip that. You're not worth my time of day, so we'll go ahead and skip that. Look, Twitter has burned down this week depending on which school you root for, and there are several that have been thrown under the bus, maybe none more so than our Texas A&M Aggies. Listen, you lose to App State at home when you're nearly a 20-point favorite and you're a top five team or top top 10 team, I guess, at number six, you, you deserve it. Um, so they'll take their lumps. We'll talk about A&M Miami, hopefully bouncing back in just a moment. I will say, if you are an A&M outsider and you want a perfect rundown on the Midnight Yell debacles, Go look at Def Not Chuck on Twitter. He has an amazing thread that will answer yep. all your questions. Yeah, that, that was that was probably the best response to all of that that I saw. It was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, guess what? Um, it's a weird place in College Station come midnight on a Friday night, and we don't care. Um, so anyway, head, head over to Twitter if you can stomach it. There's a lot of, goodness, a lot of toxicity, a lot of clickbait going on um this this has been a good week to try and stay off twitter if you root for a certain team in maroon and white last news item of course play the spread option uh we are in week three we've had uh week zero week one and week two we've had three different winners each and every week so it's not like one person is dominating this although there are several names uh clustered at the top of the leaderboard you can find that on our Instagram or Twitter at 3TechPod. We've tweeted it out. We've posted about it. 
And uh, as we keep mentioning at the end of the season, the season long points winner gets a mini helmet from the three tech pod. So uh, head over there, play the spread option, 10 games against the spread each and every week. Winner also weekly winner also gets a shout out on Twitter and the podcast guys, housekeeping news and notes out of the way. It's time for the week three preview. Let's get into headliners here as you know, again, we, we kind of set the stage, not the most impressive slate of games from the eye test standpoint, but a lot of teams trying to prove that they're legitimate. A lot of teams already trying to save their season after rough starts. The uh, pick them standings as it goes in, we're just separated by one game. Trey and I both have picked 11 of 20 games correctly. Garrett has picked 10 correctly. So we're, we're neck and neck, guys. The, the most important thing that I tweeted or uh, texted you guys about today, we're over 500, which is more than what a lot of people can say right now. Yeah, we're, we're great at gambling. So take our financial advice. Please don't take our financial advice. But yeah, listen to us. We know what we're talking about. I think I should get extra points for picking Kansas outright last week. I just want to point that out. I didn't get to say it because my internet crashed, but I felt like a genius picking Kansas outright. Winning by two touchdowns in overtime, that's fantastic. Anyway, just throwing that out there. So in, in order to upgrade his internet plan, Garrett's now going to go bet the farm on Kansas to cover this week. And You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Kansas, Kansas on the money line, uh, maybe not the move this Rock, week. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, man. <laughs> we'll talk about Kansas. They're, they're playing Houston this week, and what I think is actually kind of a spicy matchup later. But headliners up first. Let's start out west. A game that has some serious playoff implications if you are Trey Reeves or someone that hails from Provo, Utah. Number 12, BYU on the road at number 25, Oregon. Uh, this game is Saturday on Fox, 2.30 p.m. If you reside in God's time zone, central time zone. Uh, guys, is Bo Nix the starting quarterback, yes or no, for the Oregon I Ducks? believe so. I believe he is. Yes, right. unfortunately. Well, yeah, so I'm just going to throw my pick out there right off the top. BYU, plus three and a half. Thank me later. If Bo Nix is the starting quarterback, go the other way, ladies and gentlemen. Look, he did throw five touchdowns last week. I know it was against an FCS school. It was against Eastern Washington, but five touchdowns, not too bad. But I'm right there with you. I'm taking BYU on the road here, plus the three and a half. Listen, BYU's defense really impressed me last week. I know we talked about that game against Baylor. Baylor's not fully operational on the offensive end yet, and BYU completely took advantage of that on defense. And if you look at Oregon... I know they scored 70 last week against Eastern Washington, but I don't think you can completely separate that and take that in a vacuum against only putting up three against Georgia the week before that. I don't think Oregon's fully operational on offense, and I think BYU is going to take advantage of that. Jaron Hall, better quarterback in this game. BYU has the better defense, in my opinion. I know we like Oregon's defense, but I think BYU's has shown to be better so far this year. Chase Roberts looked really, really good as a third wide receiver option, uh, filling in for uh, Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney last week when both of those guys were injured. I think Nakua and uh, Romney are both back. So, yeah, give me the Cougs until proven otherwise. Fire up that hype train, baby. Um, if Oregon's going to win, they need maybe a big turnover or two and just a huge effort from the ground game. Bo Nix is going to have to make some plays with his legs. I don't think he's going to win this one with his arm. Man, I think that's a bold call saying that Jaron Hall's the better quarterback in this matchup. But I don't think you're necessarily wrong. If if Bo Nix shows up, he's the better quarterback. 
if he shows up the way that he can when he's good, though. Um, that is the issue, though. That's a massive if. That might be the biggest if in college football. <laughs> so, um, look, BYU, they're riding some massive momentum right now. They're getting ready to knock off their second straight green and yellow Power 5 team in a row. Um, and, and that's going to be, I think, a really fun matchup to kind of get to watch. Um, look, Oregon, they get this game at home. That's a big deal for them. I, if I was Oregon, I don't want to play this game in Provo. Um, and I just kind of wonder if Oregon's ready for this spot. BYU looked really good on defense, like you were talking about. And, and they played a Baylor offense with a really good young quarterback and limited playmakers. So I'm kind of curious to see how they turn that around against an experienced quarterback who has some massive highs and lows. Um, but a little bit better playmakers, I think, than what Baylor has right now. Um, I do think that the BYU defense gets pressure early. They cause some mistakes. They jump out, and I think they kind of keep this one at arm's length. Go ahead, give me BYU plus three and a half. This is the situation where we get good Bo Nicks, though, right? Like when no one's expecting it, they're playing a ranked oh, team absolutely. at home. I know they're favored by the spread, but I think most, at least in the rankings, would say Oregon's the underdog here. And anybody that only watched Oregon against Georgia would absolutely say that Oregon's the underdog here. So this is typically where we get a good out-of-nowhere Bo Nix performance in the past. You're not wrong. It does feel like, you know, Bo Nix is the microwave man, right? He heats up, and he's untouchable when he's hot. He's throwing all over the yard. He's making plays with his legs. He looks like, especially at Auburn, he looked like the legacy that was supposed to lead Auburn back to the promised land. The problem is the next week he goes and throws four picks. So you're right. I think it, Oregon's Oregon's chance at winning this game is Bo Nix heating up and having an I told you so, like I've still got something in the tank kind of game. And all the, all, all the signs or all the factors that kind of would lead towards that being a reality are there, right? They're at home. It's kind of a weird time to be kicking off for a, a prime time game it's a 12 30 local kick um you know you you gotta get the the game prep in early BYU's on the road I don't know it just it, it does feel like if Bo Nix can be serviceable Oregon can absolutely win this game they can out athlete BYU the, the advantage that BYU has is right now, Jaron Hall coming into the game is the better quarterback like you guys talked about, and, and defense travels. It just does. So, you know, in a in, I'm going to kind of reiterate this when we get to, to Texas A&M and Miami. In a game of, like, gosh, I really hope that one team lives up to expectations versus, okay, what have I seen through the first two, three weeks of the season, depending on how many games they've played? Early on, my personal criteria is just going to lean experience. What have you showed me so far? So that's why I'm taking BYU plus three and a half. Now, come Monday morning, could we be talking about Oregon winning by 17? Sure, I could easily see that. Oregon having a statement game like you guys have been talking about. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where this ends up going. Certainly one of the prime time games in that afternoon window. I think it's certainly got to claim one of your one of your television channels, uh, no doubt about it. One of the games that might claim your TV channel in the evening is number 16 NC State. They host Texas Tech on Saturday night, ESPN2 at 6 p.m. Central Time. Wolfpack a 10.5 point favorite. Guys, I called this a 2-0 versus 2-0 matchup last week. Tech with an impressive upset win 
over Houston at home. Now they get to take the Joey McGuire show on the road. I'll toss this to you guys first. Trey, let's start with you. You got a leaning in this game? Man, I was really hoping I would get to go last on this one because you guys can bring up the attitude for Texas Tech because, listen, I am all in on Texas Tech. I think they are going to be extremely plucky. I think they're going to cause a lot of problems in the Big 12. And I love what I've seen from Donovan Smith so far. Coming in as a backup quarterback, using his legs, being just an absolute you know, weapon out there. It's really taking that offense to the next level when he's not turning the ball over. He does need to watch that out. But, guys, this is still the NC State team that we were really excited about in the preseason. I know they – it was Mitch's playoff pick. They were my pick to win the ACC. I know that they almost stubbed their toe against East Carolina in week one. They had one really bad half of the football, but they were in control of that game at halftime. Um, if you're looking for a positive out of that for the Wolfpack, I just think this defense is going to be a little bit too much for Texas Tech. This is going to be the best defense Tech's seen so far. No disrespect to Houston, but NC State's defense is much better. And Devin Leary is a legit guy at quarterback. I think you put all that together, eight, this is a team that's going to challenge for a Power 5 conference championship. And there's no shame in Tech going into Raleigh and not getting this one. I think Tech goes home 2-1. and one. I do think NC State covers the 10.5-point spread. Not in a blowout by any means, but I think NC State just gets a late touchdown or a late score to kind of ice that cover. And, yeah, I, I think Tech goes home 2-1, and one, but they've got a lot to be optimistic about going into the rest of their conference slate. Yeah, and what they've got to be optimistic about is that Donovan Smith looks like he's that guy. He looks like he's ready to jump in. You know, put his name on the national stage and tell everybody, I'm here. This is my program. We're doing this. We're going to be a force in the Big 12, right? Um, with that being said, NC State at home is a really scary challenge for them. Uh, like you were saying, that defense is much better. And I think it's more of the attitude on NC State's side. They're ready to kind of make a statement and prove that, you know, hey, we had that scare in week one. Lots of people were watching that game. Probably deserved to lose that game if the ECU guy can make a kick. And, and we want to make sure that that's right. You know, they, they haven't necessarily had anything reflect in the record, but I definitely think a lot of the Wolfpack fans would be saying that, yeah, we need this to be a lot better and we want to see a much better showing out of this team. So I do think this is a tough game. I think it goes back and forth a little bit. I think there's some some late scoring, right, where you kind of get an explosion in the third and fourth quarter of some scoring. But I think at home, the home team wins it late by one score. Go ahead and give me Tech plus 10.5 to keep it close, but I'll take the Wolfpack to win. Yeah, I'm going to take Tech to cover as well. Ten and a half's a lot. And listen, the, the Wolfpack, they're due for kind of a, a prove-it game uh, early on um, against a quality opponent. So for me, this is a measuring stick game because they've got some ACC opponents that should be, you know, at least on paper, much better than what Tech can offer this season. That being said, I do think that Tech is finding their quarterback in Donovan Smith. There were a lot of Red Raider fans that wanted Donovan as a starting quarterback this season. And it took Tyler Shuck getting hurt again, unfortunately, for him to get back in the starting lineup. You know, Tech, if they can find some of that high offensive swagger that they had under the Mike Leach days, I think uh, Joey McGuire brings a lot of energy to that program. The only reason that I'm concerned about Tech covering the spread is NC State has a very solid defense, and Donovan Smith did throw three interceptions last week. So, you know, the Red Raiders, look, Part of their football scheme is just always going to be 
high risk, high reward. And the, the way they don't cover this is by turning the football over and letting Devin Leary throw all over that defense and, and just, you know, kind of boat race them. So I, I am going to take Texas Tech. I think NC State wins the game. Texas Tech, though, I think they put together a, a performance that wins the hearts and minds of the general public. And if you're looking for optimism, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you could literally come out and just blitz that defense from NC yes, State. Yeah. They, If Donovan Smith is on and he's not turning the ball over, you could look up and text up by a couple scores at the end of the first quarter because they just came out hot. And if you're an NC State fan, that scenario has to scare you because no one's really stepped up as that alpha receiver to kind of step up and take over a game for NC State yet. Mm-hmm. I think Thayer Thomas was kind of supposed to be that guy after being wide receiver two last year. He hasn't really shown a ton yet. Only six catches on the year. Maybe this is his coming out party against a tech defense that could lapse a little bit in the secondary, but that's a legit outcome in this game is tech just comes out hot. Donovan Smith takes care of the ball and NC state struggles to keep up. Well, and you got to think that they've got some stuff called for this, that they have some plays that they've got ready. That there's some stuff they did in the off season where they said, we're going to draw this one up and it's going to hit, you know, the ingredients for winning on the road. One of them is to come out and just punch him in the face to start, right? Hit some big plays and silence the crowd. Just take the crowd out of it, make them feel nervous, give them nothing to root for to start. If Tech can do that, like you were saying, if they can come out there, be up by a couple scores at the end of the first quarter, we might have ourselves a legit upset for Tech. I, I'm, I'm so excited to watch this game. Uh, it, it should be a really fun, entertaining way to kind of cap off your Saturday. It's at 6 p.m. window. So, you know, if you, if you don't uh, – or if you aren't beholden to Pac-12 after dark and watching some Hawaii football on a sketchy internet stream late night, uh, this might be your nightcap, and it could be a really, really fun way if your if your team's already played to uh, spend a Saturday night. So we'll see. Trey taking NC State minus ten and a half. Garrett and I are on the Red Raiders to cover the spread. Do think the Wolfpack uh, keep that playoff hope alive? I'm listen. We lost Utah. I'm I'm really hoping that I can shock the world with NC State. That would be a feather in my cap, no doubt. All right, guys, let's go to the game that has for, you know, listen, a, a lot of reasons, maybe the most eyeballs on it. It was where college game day was planning to go before app state pulled a historic upset. Number 24, Texas A&M host number 13, Miami on Saturday. ESPN is where you can find this 8 PM kick local time. This is going to be a late night affair, a nine o'clock start. For the Hurricanes, uh, as far as a body clock goes, Texas A&M, when I wrote this down, was five-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't think it's moved much. There was speculation that America would just pour money in on the Hurricanes, but at least that hasn't really been reflected in the line. I'm going to let you guys go first uh, and, and lay your case out for, for Texas A&M because, listen, I – I find it really, really hard to bet the Aggies in this spot. But Garrett, you're up first. I'll I'll let you lay out the case for the maroon and white. Yeah, so the more I've had time to think about this, and just to be clear, I I don't think it's just because I'm a fan of the team. I think this is about the only thing that anyone's been talking about on Twitter this week is about that A&M loss and, you know, guys screaming around the, you know, the, the parking lot and guys liking stuff and retweeting stuff. And you know, this has just been the story that's been on Twitter for this last week. So I've been reflecting a little bit. The more and more I have a chance to think about the App State game, the more I think it was kind of a one-off. 
almost everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Aggies. If you're talking about time of possession, if you're talking about turnover margin, total yards, total plays, just about everything that you could possibly do wrong, it, it went wrong for the Aggies, right? They're, you know, fluky fumbles and just all sorts of stuff like that. And I think it caught the attention of the locker room because they saw that they're not above losing a game that they probably shouldn't. I think they're going to come out a lot more focused this week. Um, and I also think there's going to be a shakeup in the personnel from everything we've heard from sort of early returns out of practices. There, there's going to be some shakes up, shake up in the personnel. There's going to be a new center. We probably think, um, and that should improve what's going on in that offensive line. I kind of think there's going to be a new quarterback in this game. I don't know if we'll start off in the game, but I think we'll see a new quarterback unless Haynes just comes out and, you know, blows the the roof off of it just to start. But all that being said, talking about Miami here, they've looked pretty solid. They weren't crazy impressive against Southern Miss, but they pulled away in the second half. They, they shut them out in the second half. They played just fine. Can Tyler Van Dyke and the Hurricane offense go into a night game at Kyle Field after a win that AM they, they've been the, the laughingstock college football for the whole week? Are they going to go in there and win? I'm not going to count on it. I think the Aggies get it right this week. I don't think it's necessarily a blowout, but I think they get right. I think they win it somewhat convincingly behind a new center and possibly a new quarterback and a minus five and a half for me. God, I hope you're right. Uh, Just as a selfish uh, fan here, Um, man. And I also hope just as a selfish for my own sake that this one is wrapped up either way by around 11 PM local time. I don't know that I can personally take, um, a back and forth affair all the way to midnight or later, but you know, we'll see what happens, but here comes look, seven overtimes. Oh goodness. Ending at 3 AM <laughs> local time and not making it to church the next morning, but, um, <laughs> listen, call me crazy. Call me a Homer. Call me whatever name you can think of. I think A&M rolls this week, not just covers, but I think it's a comfortable cover. And here's why there's a lot of pushback. I, I know you're right. I know what you're going to say. I know I watched the game. We were all there, but I'm picking the Aggies to cover and I'm picking them to roll just because they have to perform. They have to. The fan base knows it. Jimbo knows it. Haynes King knows it. If he's the guy that gets starting snaps at quarterback, they have to do it. I think Jimbo still has some tricks up his sleeve. If you go watch the Alabama game from last year, you know, Mitch and I, we were talking during the game. We're talking about where's the motion? Where's the innovation on offense? Where is it? And if you go watch that Alabama game last year, out of nowhere, you saw Anaya Smith in motion every play or someone else, Devon A. Chain, in motion every single play. I think that's coming this week. And you can say that it was dumb to leave that in the back pocket in a game that you could have lose and did end up losing. I think we see that this week. I think we see some innovation. The chatter's been heard, and I think we're going to see that. Tyler Van Dyke is the best player AM's played so far this year, though. And they absolutely cannot afford to play from behind. If Miami comes out slinging it and Haynes King has a couple turnovers or the offense is just stalling out, I think you do see a different quarterback come in and at least try to provide a spark because AM can't afford to play from behind. They really can't afford to lose this game. I'm going to take AM's defense. I'm going to take the raucous environment. I'm going to take just the half to get it done by Jimbo Fisher in this offense. To get it done. And I do think, I mean, we were seeing it in the stands. I pointed it out a couple times. I think they're setting some stuff up. You might see, you know, a read option that goes into a speed option with Anaya Smith coming in motion. You might see guys moving all over the field and say, where the heck was this last week? If you were an Aki fan, but I don't know. 
call it blind faith, call it whatever you want. I like the Aggies this week. I so I hear you. I mean, this is this is as desperate a Texas A and M team has been since Jimbo took over, right? I mean, there are there are some Kevin Sumlin desperation vibes with this team right now. They are backed into a corner. And, you know, as I read all of the media and, and, you know, listened to recaps and whatnot that I didn't need to because, you know, I was at the game, right? So, you know, typically I'm going to skip right through that because what are you going to tell me that I, I didn't see with my own eyes? The one comment that I did hear that stuck out to me was that Texas A&M has a chance to tumble down the ranks of the SEC, not just the SEC West, but the SEC with a loss today. We're talking on-field performance. We're talking off-field recruiting. We're talking just general perception in the media and with the public. This is a game that Texas A&M cannot afford to lose, no matter which way you look about it. Now, it's not that Jimbo's job is in you know dire stretches. He's not going to get fired. A&M has tethered themselves contractually to Jimbo Fisher for several more years, a buyout that is absurd to think about. So all these rumors, all these you know, notions that, oh, well, Jimbo's coaching for his job Saturday. That is absolutely not true. And you're wasting your time if you're if you're disseminating that information. The problem with all of that, and Trey, I want all of that to be true. I believe that all of those things are true. But like I said earlier, if I'm going to make a pick, my personal belief is that I've got to go with what I've seen not with blind faith. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I'm not picking Miami plus five and a half because of anything that Miami's done this season. Sure, they blew out Bethune-Cookman. They were really bad against Southern Mississippi last week. They were very slow out of the gates. That was a very close game for most of three quarters. And then Miami pulled away. That was at home for Miami. So, I, you know, I, I already came into this week thinking Miami's a little bit overrated. I don't think that they're a top 15 team. But then I saw Texas A&M play offense these first two weeks, and it's it's one of the worst things I've ever seen uh, since since becoming a fan and, and going to Texas A&M. So my there's there's nothing that I've seen through two weeks that makes me believe Texas A&M can score 21 points on anybody worth worth salt. Now I'd love to be proven wrong, but until I see that, I can't make a pick going in favor of Texas A&M. Certainly not with an opponent of Miami's ilk coming in. So Miami plus five and a half, I'll ride with that. Um, like I said, I'm certainly not rooting for that, but prove me wrong, Jimbo. Let's let's see what Texas A&M can do. Again, this is a absolutely must win to keep the program and all of its vibes alive. Uh, those are your three headliners. Those are our three games that we think you must take time out of your day to go watch. Reserve the big screen, reserve the Jumbotron, you know, fire up the projector, whatever you got to do to be in front of a TV during those three games, do it. Uh, those should be prime time viewing. Other games around the slate, maybe, maybe they're on the second screen. Maybe you're you're pulling out the Watch ESPN app or your whatever your TV provider is. You've got this on while you're doing some chores around the house. Let's start with number six, Oklahoma, eleven and a half point favorites going to Memorial Stadium where they'll take on Nebraska Saturday afternoon. It's actually an eleven a.m. kick Central Time on Fox. Nebraska just fired Scott Frost. Not a lot going for the Cornhuskers. Uh, this also kind of feels like a, a game where Nebraska could either show up really angry and, and play their hearts out for their pride, for their fan base, for Mickey Joseph, the new uh, the new interim coach, 
or they could get steamrolled. And I'm sorry, Big Red Nation. I'm, I'm going with the steamroll. There's so many things have gone wrong for your program lately. I, I, I think that I'm going to go with Oklahoma minus 11 and a half. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but, you know, I'm going to take Nebraska plus 11 and a half in this one. Ooh. They kept it close last year. They have a way better quarterback this year in Casey Thompson, who has experience against the Sooners. I don't know. I, I think this could go a multitude of different ways. You could see Nebraska players just pack it in, not really care the rest of this season, but I think they have guys in that locker room that genuinely care. And especially for this big rivalry game, it's a huge historical rivalry. They don't want to lose to Oklahoma back-to-back. I think they are going to lose to Oklahoma back-to-back years, but I think you'll see them come out in full force and ready to make this a game kind of out of nowhere, just like it was last year, but give me the corn Huskers. Can't really tell you why. I just kind of have a feeling about this one. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. I think Nebraska is going to turn this season around a little bit with the change in coaching. I'm not going to pick them to win the Big Ten. I'm not going to say that they're going to come out here and be, you know, the best team in that division, though certainly there's not a whole lot of fantastic teams on that side of the division right now. But I think they're going to be competitive. I think you're going to see them come out and, and put out a better product going forward. I just don't think it's going to be this week against the Sooners. Uh, you know, They still have a lot to prove, I think. I think the Sooners... They still have a lot that they need to show that they can do. Um, I'm still waiting to see them get back to sort of that dominant style of football that they played the past few decades. Um, I think you're going to see some continued improvement, though. I think they're going to get that closer to where they want to be. I think Dylan Gabriel's been good so far, not quite great. I think he takes another step forward, and I think you get a big performance out of Mims. Give me OU minus 11.5. Not too tough for me to pick this one. If Oklahoma gets on a real run and can can get some momentum going into Big 12, I think Trey's going to end up being right. I think the Sooners could be the class of the Big 12. Now, I, they've got to contend with Baylor and Oklahoma State, and we'll see what happens with Texas. Not going to lie, Texas looked very legit last week until they lost Quinn Ewers, and even then, their defense still stood up against the tide. So depending on what happens at the quarterback position for the Longhorns, I think you could have, you know, kind of the big four right now in the Big 12, and then Kansas State looks plucky. They blew out Missouri, albeit a bad Missouri team, but they took care of business against a traditional rival. So I think the Big 12 is going to be all all appointment viewing uh, as, as we get into conference play, and Oklahoma continues to pick up momentum this week against the Cornhuskers. Let's go to the Plains, where number 22 Penn State, they're three-point favorites on the road at Jordan-Hare Stadium against the Auburn Tigers. This is Saturday uh, afternoon. CBS is where you can find it, a 2.30 p.m. kick. I I don't believe in Auburn at all this season, but I'll say this. If Auburn finds a way to win, this could save their season. I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum in the preseason. Their schedule is brutal, one of the worst in the entire country, and it starts this week with Penn State. Auburn did not pick up the kind of offensive momentum that I think we needed to see from them in their non-conference slate, or at least the first two weeks of it, to really make me believe that they can beat Penn State. I don't think Penn State's a world beater, but guys, when your quarterbacks can't reliably complete passes against Mercer and San Jose State, I think at one point Auburn quarterbacks were like one of 15 uh, last week in that game against the Spartans. So I know it's at home. I know it's a big game atmosphere. They played them close last year. Give me Penn State. Uh, 
goodness, guys, am I, am I going to say Sean Clifford's the best quarterback in this matchup? I think you might be, and I don't think you're wrong to say that. And I'm right there with you. Penn State is my stone cold lock of the week. And this is one of those games that we were talking about off the jump that we're going to see a lot more about both of these teams because of this. I'm higher on Penn State than both of you guys, or at least I was in the preseason lead up in preview season. But it's interesting because we haven't seen Auburn play a formidable foe yet. And, you know, San Diego State doesn't count, even though you made it close. But Penn State hasn't looked like a complete team yet. And Sean Clifford could absolutely Sean Clifford this game and give Auburn a chance. I just think Sean Clifford comes out and plays a more competent game than his counterpart across the field. And Penn State rolls. Easy cover, minus three for me. Yeah, I don't know that you can necessarily say there's a better quarterback in this matchup. I think it's just kind of a no-one-wins type of situation. Um, But look, if you're a team that can knock off the Boilermakers, I think you can knock off the Tiger, Eagle, Tiger, Eagle, Tigers, Eagles. Um, I know that you know Jordan Harris going to be excited about this one. They're going to be rocking. Uh, I just kind of think Penn State comes in, continues to improve as a team. You, they're going to gain a lot of confidence this week. I think their D-line is going to kind of abuse Auburn up front. I don't think it's going to be a fun day at all for anyone in the backfield for Auburn. And I think they're going to do enough on offense to put this one away in the fourth. Give me Penn State minus three. Let's go up northwest to one of the most interesting games of the week. Certainly, if you pay attention to the spread, we've got number 11 Michigan State on the road in Seattle. They take on the Washington Huskies, who, at least according to most, are an inexplicable three-and-a-half-point favorite as of time of recording. Saturday, ABC, 6.30 p.m. Central kick. Guys, we, we're, we're split on this game as well. Uh Garrett, I want you to go first. You're back in Sparty here, and you feel really good about this. Yeah, no, Sparty's actually my lucky dog of the week. I'm taking them plus three and a half, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so obviously this is the first real game for either team, okay? No disrespect to the Portland State Vikings, I think. I had to look it up, and I'm still not 100% sure. So no disrespect to Portland State. Uh, But nobody's really played anybody coming into this one. Um, and this is a tough test for Michigan State on the road. Don't get me wrong. I don't really have a great read on which players legit in this game, you know, which guy's the best, who's going to come out being amazing. Certainly, you know, Pendix Jr., he's shown up pretty well. He looks pretty good. He could come out, have an amazing game. Um, you know, I just kind of have a feeling that Sparty knows how to scheme this one, and they're going to be the better coach team. You know, they're coming off a big season. Uh, the, the coaching staff, they got the big extension. So I kind of have a good feeling that this one's going to go Sparty's way. And, and even if I'm not 100% sure that this is the case, I get three and a half points of cushions of this. So give me Michigan State. I'll take Sparty as my lucky dog of the week. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup, man. You know, last year, Washington was just an absolute dumpster fire when they came into this game. Michigan State, of course, had Kenneth Walker kind of running their offense. And, you know, you talk about this being the first big game for both these teams. This is Peyton Thorne's first big game as a Spartan without that safety blanket and Ken Walker. And now Michigan State's run game has been fine this year. It's been great, but they don't have that game changer that we uh, saw last year that really just took over games. It's a hostile environment up there in Washington. I think that those fans are going to be ready to go. It's the first time they've had a big home game in a long time. It's also just a really weird line. You know, Michael Penix has been really good this year. I, 
even with that, I did not expect Washington to be favored in this game. Whenever I see that and it's kind of out of the blue like that, I know I steered away from it with Tech last week, but this take, I'm steering right into that. Give me Washington minus three and a half just because, you know, Vegas knows stuff. That's right. Hey, listen, sometimes when you're piloting the Titanic, you steer into the iceberg and uh, maybe you get rewarded for it. I did last week with Texas Tech. Uh, I think technically it was a – was that game a push? I don't remember. But Texas it was Tech technically a push, with, yeah. Yeah, it, it was technically a push, um, but but I was right saying Tech would, would win outright at home. Again, I'm going to go with the home team here. They're favored. I can't really tell you why they're favored. Now, my theory is kind of what Trey said, that Michigan State comes out slow occasionally on offense, and it's it's a tough scene, right? Like they can really struggle to get the, the ball moving down the field. So if that happens, from what I've seen from Washington's offense, I, I think Washington could easily be up, you know, 14, 17 points early on in this game. So give me Washington at home. It's a weird line. I'm going to steer right into it and take the Huskies minus the three and a half. So Garrett on Lucky Dog Island plus three and a half with Sparty, uh, Garrett, or, uh, Trey and I, sorry, riding with the Huskies. All right, so we've got number 21, Texas. Now, back in the Lone Star State, they're hosting UTSA. The Roadrunners were victorious on the road last week at Army. They go to Austin. They're trying to spoil Texas's party. This is Saturday on the Longhorn Network at 7 p.m. Guys, Texas potentially down to their third-string quarterback in Charles White. Hudson Card, it was hobbled last week, kind of played on one leg. Quinn Ewers is obviously out for several weeks. Some folks were saying two to four weeks. Some were saying four to six weeks. All Steve Sarkeesian will say is that he's day-to-day. Does Texas being down to a third-string quarterback move the needle for you guys? It does, just because UTSA is absolutely competent. And, you know, 11 points is a lot to give a really competent group of five team. Just ask Texas rivals. 90 miles to the east. Uh, what happens when you give a competent G5 team double digits, even at your home stadium? Uh, letdown's going to be real for Texas. I don't think Texas loses this game. Charles White could... I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to tell you I have a hot take on Charles White. I've never really seen the guy play a ton. But it could be a situation where Texas is coming down from playing a really close game with Alabama. UTSA has had this one circled for a long time. I guarantee it. And if Charles White is out there, UTSA is going to have the better quarterback in this game. And when you're looking at taking a spread, especially a double digit one, and you're giving the better quarterback double digit points, give me UTSA. Yeah, this is a really tough spot for Texas. They had, you know, on their side, the emotional game last week, the fans, game day, everything. It was just supercharged. You combine that with the fact that you you lose the starter. You know, he's supposed to take you to the promised land. Off-season expectations combine, and then he goes down. Obviously not for the season, so you're looking forward to it, but it's kind of a, oh, no, where do we go from here, right? You don't even get your backup. Maybe, I think we're pretty sure he's not going to play. Um, you combine that with the fact that UTSA has actually looked really good to this point, pushing Houston, you know, and, and, you know, looking really good in their competition so far. I think UTSA actually makes this one a really, really fun game for about three quarters. 
But man, it's really hard for me to not say that Texas doesn't have the better skill position talent. And I think that's ultimately what makes the difference. You can call it a, you know, unfocused long run in the fourth quarter from Bijan Robinson. You could call it, you know, a big touchdown where they blow a coverage, you know, from Xavier Worthy. I don't know exactly how it's going to go down. I just kind of have a feeling that they pull away in the fourth. Give me Texas minus 11 here. I think they're going to take care of business. Texas skill position players are without a doubt the best unit in this matchup. And so I agree. I think that Texas could could boat race UTSA, especially late. Maybe it's close for the for the first half, and then Sarkeesian goes in, makes some adjustments, finds a way to get his quarterback more comfortable, and, and we're off to the races there. I will say UTSA has done a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback, at least in, in the Houston game, right? Army is, is such a weird outlier. They actually almost threw for 300 yards. I think that's more because Army is such a unique offense than UTSA's secondary is bad. But I will say, down the stretch against Houston, UTSA was giving up chunk plays to Clayton Toon, Tank Dell, and company. I do worry about that. So, Garrett, I think you're spot on. I'm going to take UTSA plus the points because of what Trey ultimately alluded to. It's such a big letdown spot for Texas. Plus, not only are you down potentially your top two quarterbacks, you've also got guys across the the skill positions that are banged up, right? I mean, uh, you've, you've got uh, Bijan Robinson with a shoulder injury. You've got multiple guys on defense who are nicked up. I just feel like last week, even though you didn't win, was such a boost for the program. The fact that you were in a game late with Alabama, the fact that you had college game day on your campus, the fact that your rival lost to Appalachian State. Like everything came up Texas last week except for the final score. It's just natural to have some sort of letdown effect. So I don't think that UTSA wins this game. And I, I don't necessarily know that I wholeheartedly believe that the Roadrunners cover, but I, I do think that Texas could find themselves in a bit of a dogfight late if UTSA can make right or whoever's in. Uh, maybe it's not a fully healthy Hudson card uncomfortable that's the way that frank harris has a shot that's the way that the roadrunners neutralize this game let's go out west number seven usc 12 point favorites against fresno state a ticked off fresno state saturday fox this is a 9 30 p.m kick if you can stay up god bless you i know we're certainly going to probably have this as our second channel game uh i, I won't speak for you guys but i think in the late window other than texas a&m miami this is the game that i want to watch Fresno State's my lucky dog of the week. I'll start us off here. Look, Jake Hayner, he wanted to be a Trojan quarterback. He said that multiple times this week. He said that throughout his career, and now he gets to play USC. Not only does he have a little bit of revenge here, considering he didn't get an offer to USC, but Fresno State also lost in a really tough, emotional, emotionally draining way last week to Oregon State. I think at home, Fresno State is ticked off. I think USC could very well be on upset alert. If, if, if both these teams get into a shootout, that's the way that Fresno State has a chance to win this game. I believe in USC's offense. I do not believe in their defense. They haven't played anybody that has tested their defense yet. And like I said, uh, these last couple of games, the last thing that I have on tape from an actual opponent was a lot of missed tackles, a lot of you know, kind of quitting on plays early. So until USC can prove to me that they can play defense, I'm going to take the dog plus the 12. I'm going to say USC holds on, but it's very, very close. Fresno State covers easily. I think that world where that happens, what you're describing, Mitch, is 
a real one. I think it's a real possibility, but man, that swagger is just back at USC. And that team just looks invigorated. It looks like a completely different team than the one that really struggled a year ago. The offense is rolling. Defense, you're right. It, it needs to catch up with the offense, but I don't think this is an easy cover, but I'll take USC to pull away late. Couple, uh, Maybe a late fourth quarter score, maybe something weird happening where USC covers probably wins by about 17 to 20 in my mind, um, but a lot of that's late. I do like the Hayner story, though. I think Hayner is the most competent quarterback USC's seen so far. He's a really good player. He's had this game circled for a long time, but give me USC to cover. Yeah, Mitch, you were saying you didn't necessarily believe in the defense. I personally don't think it matters if USC plays any defense. Um, they have stuff absolutely rolling on the offensive side of the ball. I'm sure we all saw that big highlight that they had rolling around on Twitter with that, I don't know, he threw it, what, like 60 air yards to Jordan Addison, something like that. It was crazy. Um, they're playing really good football on the offense side of the ball. I do think this is a really high-scoring affair. I think you could see scores getting up into the you know 40s or 50s for both teams. I just kind of think USC wins this one by a couple touchdowns. So give me the USC cover, minus 12. Two more games to get to in-depth here. Let's start on a Friday night. Garrett, again, we're going to come back to you for comment here. Uh, your former darling the louisville cardinals host florida state the Knolls are a two and a half point favorite on the road friday night on espn 6 30 p.m listen i know you've disowned them i think trey and i are going to give you as many chances as you would like to to take back your your former crush we'll start with you does louisville cover do they win outright Okay, I want to state for the record, they were not one of my darling teams not officially okay i did <laughs> peg this one incorrectly Look, I broke up with Louisville a couple weeks ago, and you don't go back to your ex just because they look good in Florida, okay? You don't do that. If I've learned one thing in my life, that's what you do. Um, so, you know, you know who they are. They showed you who they are. Plus, you know, you combine that. Florida State, they looked really good at this point in the season. I, I didn't expect them to look this competent on any phase of the game so far. Um, they're playing physical. They're playing what they want to play. I think the Knowles win here pretty comfortably. You know, big shout-out to the Garnet and Gold. You're playing well this point in the season. Keep it rolling. Yeah, I might need to jump on that Florida State fun too. This could be a really fun quarterback battle, though, on Friday night. If Malik Cunningham shows up to the party, that's a question mark. That's a big question mark. But Jordan Davis, Malik Cunningham, on paper at least, should be a really fun quarterback matchup. Um, I like that FSU isn't getting this right after that big win over LSU, though. I think it's nice that they've had some breathing room, some time to collect themselves. It's a big conference game. It's really important for them to start conference play 1-0 and get off on the right foot there. I think they do it. Give me them to cover the spread. Oh, look who's come around at the Knowles hype trade three weeks into the season. Welcome. Welcome one. Welcome all. Um, Thanks for keeping the seats warm. You're, you're absolutely welcome. You know, we've been munching on some popcorn just Waiting for everyone else to, to show up. This is this is. Look, we hopped we hopped off the Louisville Express at one point. We're hopping on FSU for now. Some of this us were this. never on the Louisville Express, yeah, but yeah, I'm, right. I'm happy to be in Tallahassee. That's, that's, that's right. That's uh, wow that that might be the only time that phrase has ever been uttered. Um, I, listen, this is <laughs> Stanley Hudson FSU? disagrees. FSU is is Top Gun Maverick to me. This is this is my third time watching. You know, I'm I'm just as content to watch this a third time as I am my first. You guys are maybe sauntering into the theater. Maybe it's a Tuesday night. Not much is going on. You're like, all right, we'll we'll check out what Top Gun 
Maverick is, is going on here. Um, I Listen, FSU on the road in this spot, I don't love it, but Louisville's way too Jekyll and Hyde for me. I, you know, they, they drop an egg against Syracuse. Somehow they go on the road and beat Gus Malzahn in the bounce house. I, I think there are there's a pulse in Louisville, but I, I don't know quite if Louisville can knock off what should be a more talented team in Florida State. Jordan Travis has, has flashed some real playmaking ability, and that Louisville defense, bless their hearts, they cannot stop the run. U, UCF ran for over 200 yards last week. Most of that was in the first half, and then Malzahn went away from, from the run in the second half inexplicably. So give me, give me my darling here. I'm fully on the Knowles hype train. I think we are turning pain into gains this season. FSU minus the two and a half. I've actually got, I think Houston was my lock of the week. I don't take lock of the weeks on the road, but I've talked myself into it, Dad Gummit. FSU, stone cold lock of the week. Trey, hit the sound. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, oh. Boy, I'm fired up for for my Knowles that I really don't have any connection to at all. I was not ready for that drop, and I'm glad I zoned out and zoned back in. So we're here. (laughs) (laughs) I I start talking Florida State. Trey starts checking Twitter. Just it is what it is. Last other game that we have to talk to before we do some quick hitters: Mississippi State on the road at LSU. Two and a half uh, point favorites are the Pirates. Bulldogs team Saturday ESPN at five o'clock. You guys have one way that you're you're being pulled on, on this one, Garrett. I, I think you might feel more strongly than than we do. Yeah, this one actually is fairly simple for me. I'm picking Mississippi State minus two and a half. This is my stone cold lock of the week. There we go, Trey. Good job. Um, I said at the beginning of the season, and and I started off with this. Okay, Mississippi State was going to be a team that was going to be scary and was going to challenge some people. All right, there was some laughter because I said there was a chance they could end up, chance, not picking them, but a chance to maybe end up upsetting Bama. I think I'm feeling a little bit better about that after watching the effort that Bama gave in Austin last week. But look. Things are going real well for Mississippi State right now. Will Rogers, I think, is the third-best quarterback in the SEC, second-best in the division. Um, They're going to move the ball well against the Tigers. That's just flat out. They're going to get to move the ball. They're going to do what they want to against that defense. Look, just because LSU abused a nobody last week doesn't mean that they're going to push around Mississippi State. Um, They're they're not beating the Pirate this week. Give Mississippi State minus 2.5. This one's easy. Lock it in. Yeah, I'm in on uh, Mississippi State minus two and a half as well. LSU kept their fans excited last week. I thought they were on 100 watch at one point. Um, I think we talked about it on Sunday, but I think they were up like 44 to nothing at the end of the first quarter or something crazy like that. But this is a whole nother level of competition. And first taste of the SEC for Brian Kelly, I think he's going to have a rude awakening um, even though this game is in Baton Rouge, I think just the different level of athlete, the different level of speed that he's going to see on the field is going to give him some rough flashbacks to some of those performances against some of these SEC teams while he was at Notre Dame. And Mississippi State might have the best pair of wins in the SEC so far, beating Memphis and going on the road to Arizona last week. That's not easy. And I think they are the best looking record-wise 2-0 team um, at least in their division. So give me Mississippi State. I think they go into Baton Rouge and pull it out. I think Mississippi State's going to bite a lot of teams that 
kind of are are maybe sleeping for better or for worse against Mississippi State. Look, that's what they do. They they beat teams that they really on paper should not. And I, I think they do this to LSU. I think they're probably the better team over LSU. I know it's it's easy to be buying LSU stock after that just bludgeoning at the expense of Southern last week, but give me the Bulldogs as well. I think they go on the road. Better team at night, team that can move the football. Mississippi State wins this one, I'll say by 10. All right, so second channel games. We've gotten through kind of if you're flipping around late, maybe your team's played at a different time slot. Those are the games that we would advise you to certainly watch, to follow us on Twitter, at 3TechPod. We'll be tweeting about them. Second channel games, more of our quick hitters as we fly through this. Guys, one of our local teams, a team that we have season tickets to, SMU is on the road against Maryland. Uh, Maryland minus three and a half. This is a... This is a confusing line for me. I don't know what Maryland has has proven. Now, SMU so far can't play defense either, but that offense, tell you what, that offense looks fun. College Park can be a weird place to play. As SVP would say, let's go to Bentley's. I don't think a lot of happy people are going to be going to Bentley's after this game. Give me the ponies. Plus three and a half. I think SMU comes back for a battle of the iron skillet. They're undefeated, guys. Maryland's look pretty good so far, especially offensively. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Give me SMU. Got to do it for the G5. Our last shot at a playoff from the G5. Probably SMU. Yeah, I'm going to three-peat with you guys. SMU plus three and a half. Back the ponies. I think they're going to come in, like you were saying, undefeated. That's going to be a really fun game to watch with the Iron Skillet. I I can't wait to be there uh, in person next week. We'll preview that one in its entirety uh, on our, I guess, two episodes from now. Kansas at Houston. The Jayhawks looking plucky. Garrett's buying all the Jayhawks stock that he can. Houston, a 10-point favorite. I did have Houston as my lock of the week. Obviously, I've changed that now to, to Florida State. But I do think I, I think Kansas is a an okay team. I think they're going to put up some points. Houston's the better team, though. And I tell you what, Holgerson, I, that must have been a hellacious week of practice for the Cougars. Houston's at home after a bad loss to Tech. Give me, give me maybe the best group of five team in the country to win this one comfortably. I have Kansas written down, and I am not changing it this week. Give me the 10-point cushion. Houston's going to win the game, but Kansas is going to look really good. It's also already been bet down to 8.5, so just keep your eyes on that one. Yeah, I'm taking Kansas plus 10. This one's really easy for me. Um, I'm not going to pick them outright. But I really want to. I really want to go outright again. This is about as close of a game to pick for me as I, I could this week, just as far as picking them outright. Um, I'm loving that Jayhawk offense. It is fantastic. I think that it would be really fun to see a 3-0 Kansas. They're competent. They're downright good at football. They're, they're not going to go out there and beat the world, but they do some things really, really well. That run game is pretty solid. They've got a good quarterback. So, yeah, give me the Jayhawks to almost win outright. I think 2007 was the last time that Kansas football was accused of being competent. But here we are, 2022. <laughs> let's get weird, folks. Notre Dame, team that we talked about a little bit off the top. They're 10.5-point favorites at home. They host the Cal Golden Bears, a team that is known for their stifling defense. Guys, does Notre Dame win this game, first of all? Covering is a separate issue, but does Notre Dame win their first game of 2022 with Drew Pine in at quarterback? I think they do. I think they find a way to get it done. Similar to AM, I think last week was a wake-up call that they're not where they want to be at, and this was probably a really rough week of practice for the Fighting Irish. So let me I'll take them to win. I'm not going to take them to cover. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think you know I'm gutted for Notre Dame fans right now. Just really feel bad for the way that that fan base has got to be feeling at the moment. Um, I, yeah, I think they win this one mostly because they just kind of feel like they have to, right? It kind of feels like if they don't win this one, things are going to really spiral, and, and that they need they just need this win. So I think they win this one, but I don't think it's pretty. But but it'll be a step in the right direction to help them kind of get this season back on track. I think Cal keeps this close. I think their offense can do just enough uh, to where this is kind of a, a wear them out, grind it out kind of game. I do think Notre Dame finds a way to get a win. I think there's been a lot of soul searching in South Bend, uh, both on and off the field. But uh, I, I do think that Cal gives them a scare, but ultimately Notre Dame at home is the deciding factor. Let's speed through these. We've got Western Kentucky at Indiana. Purdue at Syracuse, uh, Tulane at Kansas State, and Liberty at Wake Forest. Uh, Trey, we'll start with you. Is there a, a direction that you'd pick if you if you had to watch one of these games? Which one are you watching? This Indiana-Western Kentucky game looks really, really interesting to me. I think there could be a lot of offense in this one. I wrote down that I'm taking Indiana to cover. I'm actually going to switch that. Give me Western Kentucky as the six and a half point dogs on the road to cover that spread and have a really legit shot to win it. Um, you said pick one. I'm going to pick a second one though. That Purdue Syracuse game sneakily might be one of the best ones of the week. Yeah. I certainly don't know how to make a boiler, but I would pick Purdue in this case. Um, and maybe I'll learn someday, but man, the one that I'm going to be watching out of all these, I got to see this Kansas state game. It is going to be just beauty on the field with those uniforms. Those new K state helmets that they're rolling out are going to look fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to watch this game. Also big fan of Kansas state. That's my darling. So, uh, watching for Deuce Vaughn to, to put on a show once again this weekend. I don't think Tulane's defense is good enough to stop Kansas State from covering this. This is absolutely the dress to the nines uniform game of the week. If you haven't seen those, just do a quick Google search. Kansas State has rolled out some of the best alternate uniforms I've seen in a long time. So I've got the Wildcats as well. I'm on, I'm the only one on the Qs, baby. It's at home again. Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. No, I will not recognize that wireless company. I, listen, it's a pick em for a reason. It, to me, the fact that it's a pick em is almost like saying it's Syracuse minus whatever because it doesn't seem like that should be the case. Syracuse has had a, a strong first two weeks, and Sean Tucker's that dude running the football. But Purdue, they can sling the ball so effectively through the air. They can't run it, but Aiden O'Connell is really, really good at quarterback. Charlie Jones is an X-factor on offense and in special teams, to me, Purdue should be favored on this. Even though they're going on the road, the fact that they're not tells me that Vegas recognizes Syracuse's defense might be legit this year. And the fact that Syracuse can shorten this game, they can run the football with Tucker and with uh, with their quarterback. Uh, I, I just think, I think, give me the orange, man. I think it's a weird spot to play. I'm all aboard Syracuse right now. I'll tell you what, Mitch, you're saying it feels like it's Syracuse minus something. If you can find a sports book with those odds, let me know, because I will absolutely hammer Purdue in that case. Um, I, <laughs> I don't like Syracuse in this spot. I think Purdue gets it right, but it uh, should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to flip over to this at, at some point. Uh, that, that'll be fun to watch. I've got Indiana minus seven. Last time I bet against Indiana, they humbled me very quickly. So uh, give me give me Tom ha uh, Tom Allen trying to keep the hashtag nine Windiana campaign alive. Uh, Liberty Wake Forest, the only game that we haven't talked about <clears throat> out of that bunch. 
Liberty 16 and a half point dogs on the road. They haven't scored a ton of points this season, but their defense has stepped up. Do we know, is Sam Hartman back this week? I know he was technically back last week, uh, but but is he is he going to get the start this week? Does anybody know? He should be good to go. I haven't, I haven't seen anything indicating otherwise, but I think he should be good to go. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I haven't I've seen got, anything else. I've got Wake minus 16 and a half. I, I think offense probably trumps defense in this case. So give me the Demon Deacons to keep their dream season alive. And I know Liberty's dealing with quarterback issues as well. So um, I think Gary Bohannon, not, not Gary Bohannon, who's their starting quarterback? Um, it's a transfer. Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer, thank you. The other Baylor guy. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he, he got injured week one. So Liberty's playing with a backup quarterback as well. All right, guys. Well, we've run through a number of games. Let's let's finish off with the dessert round here. Our week three ledger to get into. Of course, uh, if you guys have missed the previous couple of weeks, the ledger is where all three of us pick two games to bet against the other person. So right now, as I read it, the standings: Trey is five and three. I'm four and four. Garrett is three and five. No hard-earned American currency on this. This is all for uh, bragging rights. Something that we've kind of done, you know, with uh, off off air, off the podcast for for a couple of seasons now. Trey, as our reigning leader right now, at five and three. I'll give you first dibs here. Who are you betting against, Garrett? Who are you taking against me? So I'm taking a couple of teams with some massive lines to cover this week, but I am extremely confident in both of them because they are playing just hapless opponent so garrett you get to be a georgia tech fan this week you are cheering for them wow. to stay within 16 and a half of the Ole Miss rebels and mitch you get to be a wyoming cowboy um i'm saluting the troops i've got air force minus 15 at wyoming in laramie this is this is a scary place to be uh listen as, as a former head coach of Wyoming in an NCAA dynasty, I would love to root for my Laramie Cowpokes. Your team sucks this year, though, so I, I think Trey's going to get a dub against me this week. I, I don't know how, how good you're feeling about Georgia Tech there, Garrett. Uh, well, I mean, if they show up like they did against Clemson in the first half, I'm feeling okay about this one. Clemson um, still covered that game, though. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not feeling great about it. I will say I'm going to go ahead and shout out Josh McMahon. That's one of my coworkers, Georgia Tech guys. So uh, hopefully we can pull this one out for you. I know me and him will be rooting for it. So uh, shout out to you, Josh. Garrett, keep the party rolling. Uh, let's Let's hear your two picks this week. Well, Mitch, up until about 15 minutes ago, I had picked Florida State. Uh, against you, but you chose to stick that with your lock of the week. Uh, it's sort of in a last minute audible, so <laughs> I had to audible this one. So now I'm sit- I'm going to take Mississippi State minus two and a half against LSU. I uh, just think that one's going to be too easy. We broke that one down already. Uh, Trey, I'm taking Kansas plus ten versus Houston for you, so you get to root for the uh, for the Houston Cougars this week. Again, I said I think Kansas might actually end up winning this one outright, so I'm going to roll with Kansas on this one, baby. Shaka, baby, let's go. Gosh, I love the confidence be- behind the Kansas Jayhawks on this pod. It, it's it's invigorating. Absolutely. Uh, Garrett, I'm going to give you the hapless Notre Dame fighting Irish. Honestly, this I could very easily see myself losing this one. This is a dangerous game for me to pick, but I, I kind of thought, look, I did the season preview for Cal. I feel like that defense could be legit. And guys, look, if Cal wins, Notre Dame's season is legitimately over. Like, 
if they don't get their first win here, when do they get it? Maybe against Stanford in a couple of weeks, but gosh, you got to start really scratching your head. So I'm going to take Cal against Garrett plus the 10 and a half. Trey, you get to be a Rice Owl fan, which listen, in the, in the preview, we were kind of excited about Rice. They have not done very well to start 2022. In fact, I think, listen, take pro football focus for what you will. They rated them as one of the, the bottom 10 teams or something like that in college football. So I don't know if you trust their metrics or not, but they're, they're giving up uh, or they're catching 12 against Louisiana this week. Raging Cajuns are so much better at football than the Rice Owls are right now. I like what Mike Bloomgren is doing down there in Houston, but give me the Raging Cajuns. That seems like a very manageable number for Louisiana. So, uh, so I'll take them. So in recap, Trey, uh, you are given Garrett, Georgia Tech. You're giving myself Wyoming. Garrett is giving uh, me, I'm getting LSU on a late second audible. You're giving Trey Houston. I'm giving Garrett Notre Dame. And Trey, you are getting the Rice Owls. Any final notes, gentlemen? I'm a big uh, fan of the city of Houston, apparently, this week, getting the Cougs and the Owls. So, peck them Owls. Let's go, Cougs. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, and since I'm rooting for Notre Dame, I guess I might as well go ahead and get started. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace. Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> we we got to hope. That's what we got right now, Notre Dame. Come on, we can do it. Find find a picture of touchdown Jesus. Play like a champion today. All all of those things. Uh, <laughs> you, you might need them. You you might need them if you want Probably to cover, will. cover that spread. I, look, Notre Dame, good luck finding some offense this week, guys. Back of quarterback and all. All right, gentlemen. Week three preview done, dusted. A lot of really fun games that we have our eyes on. Just because there aren't a ton of head-to-head ranked matchups this week does not mean that the storylines are not flowing. We're going to be covering them from wall to wall on Saturday from the morning kickoffs, heck, even starting on Friday night. Tune in. Trey and Garrett might be tweeting all kinds of things as uh, Florida State and Louisville play. I will be broadcasting a high school football game so i'll have to catch the spark notes afterwards but we're really excited for for another weekend of of college football again if you're not following us please head over to our social media instagram twitter at three tech pod to do so and you can stay up to date with all the fun things that we get into over the weekend for trey reeves for garrett turney who made it through a whole show this yes, week the technology survived the i'm mitch mason so thankful to have you along for us Uh, for this ride. Until next time, so long, everybody.